0: The definition of workplace has shifted dramatically over the last few months. Once a physical location where we could gather together each and every day to collaborate with colleagues, sip coffee in the break room, call clients and perform deep work, today's workplace, and I'm using air quotes here, has become more of a concept than a tangible location. Given this virtual environment, intelligent workplace design enabled by technology is more important than ever before to ensure a seamless experience for employees, partners, and customers. I'm Rita Garwood, Editor-in-Chief of The Monitor. Joining me today to talk about the intelligent workplace is Jeffrey Bilbury, Chief Executive Officer of LeasePath. Jeff, thanks so much for being here today.
1: Hi, Rita. It's fantastic to be here with you and always great to talk some shop with you. You've had a lot of great um, other podcast members on and I've listened and learned so much. So I'm just honored to be here with you.
0: Before we begin, I would like to thank today's podcast sponsor. LeasePath is the intelligent workplace for customer engagement and origination built exclusively for the asset finance industry. Serving banks, independent funders, captive finance companies, and brokers, LeasePath leverages the Microsoft Power Platform to provide a proven, quick-to-implement, cloud-first solution with pre-built automation, pricing tools, amortization calculators, asset management, and integrations with credit bureaus and other mission-critical applications. With customers spanning North America and the UK, LeasePath is the preferred choice for equipment finance businesses to win more, risk less, and profit more. Learn more about the only equipment finance origination solution on the Microsoft Power Platform at www.leasepath.com. So Jeff, um, I've heard you talk about the idea of an intelligent workplace before. Can you explain what exactly it is and what does it mean for equipment finance?
1: Yeah, it's a mouthful, isn't it? Um, the intelligent workplace is the centerpiece of what we're trying to do here at LeasePath, and we really want to share these ideas and empower the entire equipment finance industry. So, for us, we say that there's five pillars to the intelligent workplace. The first one is an intelligent user experience, and that enables a personalized and differentiated experience for every user on your systems in your organization. Number two is digital capabilities, and that means that you have a very agile operating environment. Number three is core system modernization, and that's ease of change and ease of upgrades. You got to have a good core system to be able to do that. Uh, That also leads to a modern data estate, that's number four, which means that your data is not locked in silos and you've got good access for other tools to use that data and to have business intelligence on that data. And that all leads to number five, which is especially relevant for this industry, and that's uh, improved risk management. So enabling better credit and loss management. So when we think of those five pillars of the intelligent workplace, and we bring that to equipment finance, and we look at the systems that we have in equipment finance, there's a lot of really good systems out there. They're rich, they're robust, and they've been around for a long time, but that also means they're old and aged and rigid, and rigid is the opposite of the agility that we're searching for. So we wanna bring new tools and bring awareness of new tools so that um, our customers can engage and have profitable operations in, in one unified system. And that becomes the principal enabler for everyone to be able to compete in the new digital finance economy. If we think of intelligent workplace and how that removes constraints of systems and enables us to adapt quickly, and we don't have to go to multiple systems to get information because it's all brought together in a unified interface, you know, that's the kind of thinking that we want to share and that we want everyone to be able to have. And conversely, you know, with those rigid systems and then we look at the intelligent workplace, intelligent workplace probably best summarized as natural business thinking that is supported by great technology and not the other way around.
0: So you mentioned that we're living in a digital finance economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you said those words, the first thing that I thought about was my experience as a consumer where I can pull out my phone and I can just make food or rides or just about any product show up on my doorstep. Yeah. But when I think of digital equipment finance economy, I'm kind of at a loss because we don't have many examples of what that would look like. What does that term mean for the equipment finance industry?
1: Yeah, that's there's a lot there, isn't there? And can we just pause for a moment and say that again? We're, we're living in a digital finance economy. Let that wash over us, otherwise it's going to wash us away because we've all got to go digital. Um, but but what does that actually mean? And and what does the word digital mean before we even unpack the rest of it? So. Uh, I'll use an example to, to describe that, the one that we've heard so many times before, but I think that we've all heard it in, a, in our own nuanced way that, that might not be quite right. So Blockbuster and Netflix, right? Uh, VHS moved to DVD, which moved to mail, which moved to streaming from the cloud. And we thought, oh, Netflix is a digital company because they streamed from the cloud. But in fact, we'd, we'd actually be wrong if we thought that. Because mm-hmm. digital isn't about a remote data center somewhere. And even though Netflix could deliver to my laptop or my tablet or my phone, um, that didn't make it digital either. What made them digital is that they were a disruptor that made all my viewing very personalized. And that's the core of digital. So Netflix said, I know what your likes are. I know what, um, what you're probably going to like. It used artificial intelligence and it brought all these different ideas together and then it brought content together, that's another part of digital, is they started with a few movie studios and then they got more movie studios and then they brought television and then they built their own original content and yet it was still adapted and highly personalized just for me. And when we do all of that, that's now coming into what digital really means. So let's redefine digital and not say that it's cloud or mobile phone delivery channel, Instead, digital very simply is adaptable and personalized. And so now let's, with that out of the way, let's talk about digital finance economy and the equipment finance industry. And I would say that there's, there's more nuance to it, even still. And I'd say the first one is uh, relationship insights with a good CRM system. I think most people are trying to do that today and that's fantastic. Uh, But you need to have ongoing value from your core system in a system that can adapt quickly and constantly evolve. The third one is, is very much what we heard about the Netflix story, which is anytime, anywhere, real time via a good cloud infrastructure, that's really important. And then the last part is, again, this idea of the intelligent workplace making every interaction highly personalized and situationally relevant. Those are what brings us to the digital finance economy for equipment finance.
0: That's interesting. So when I hear the words intelligent workplace, the first thing that comes to mind for me is how it will empower employees because you're talking about a workplace. Mm-hmm. But how will that benefit customers?
1: Oh, great question. Um, yeah, if it—I guess—if it I guess if it doesn't help us get and keep customers and keep them really happy, then it doesn't do any good at all, right? Um, in fact, you know, the equipment finance industry, we know that most deals are customized for, for every customer. This isn't the... Uh, consumer-oriented, high-volume, homogenized type of deals. These are very personalized transactions. And so that is actually one of the cornerstones of the digital finance economy, is that personalized transaction, personalized approach. And for us at LeastPath, you've heard me say, that's the cornerstone of the intelligent workplace. So if we can deliver this extremely personalized experience to employees, then employees can then in turn deliver that same highly adapted, um, hyper-personalized experience to their customers, that's fantastic. And then let's take it one step further. I mean, what we do is, is we're also saying to our customers, why don't you give portals so that your customers can have their own highly adapted and personalized experience in real time. And that could be with brokers, agents, vendors, anyone else and log in and see that same experience. So to sum it up, I think the intelligent workplace is it benefits the customers because it makes those relationships relevant from the company to the employee all the way through to their customer and even to their customers, customers. So the changes just keeps going.
0: That's great. So you mentioned making a highly personalized experience for the customer. Can you just give like a quick example of what that might look like for an equipment finance company?
1: Yeah. Um, I mentioned uh you know having the having portals to be able to log in and to see a deal so one of the things that we see that our customers are really finding useful is the notion of some originating self-service they should be able to do some of their own quoting they should be able to see the finance structures and pricings and be able to pick it they should also be able to see this st- the deal as it moves through the process from sales to underwriting to to approval and, and booking and funding, et cetera, and to see all that in real time. Um, but to make it really, really personalized, now it's not just their deal and their real-time information, that's all that's all nice, but it's their deal that was personalized just for them because of the financial product they chose, because of the asset they chose, because of everything else. So those are the kind of things, if you can bring all that forward to your employee and then you can bring that even further forward to the customer so they can do that self-service or see the state of their deal in their own way. I think that's really important.
0: Definitely. So when you were explaining what an intelligent workplace is, you mentioned core systems. And to be honest, I don't think Mm -hmm. I've ever heard someone raving about their core system, (laughs) the words (laughs) that I usually hear are legacy or outdated. I've heard a lot about trying to overcome the limits of those systems. Um, Mm -hmm. How does the core factor into the intelligent workplace design.
1: Yeah. Um, but wouldn't it be great if we had systems that were not built last century or even last decade? <laughs> Definitely right. <laughs> and and we hear the apologists, you know, they're the ones who say, well, I can't change because my system is constraining me. Or we hear code words like my system is stable, which is, you know, your first clue like, okay, so that means you actually have a lot of room to change if that's the best thing that you've got to say about your system. And stability is good, don't get me wrong, but it it's actually much more than that. Again, going to the centerpiece of, you know, the intelligent workplace, that third pillar and the reason it's in the middle is core system modernization. Um, With the latest technologies, Rita, you can have low code, no code environments. Um, You don't have to worry about software and database constraints anymore. Uh, It's possible to take upgrades, you know, more than once every three or five or 10 years. In fact, the upgrades just come automatically and they just work. Not they are work, they just work. Uh, And I think to a lot of listeners out there that that might hear this, they say, well, there's no way I could take an upgrade every quarter or anything like that because it takes me six months to get through my testing. But I would challenge everyone to say, the reason it takes you six months to get through your testing or a year is because you've got five years of of product debt that you're trying to figure out what's changed. But when it comes in small bite-sized chunks, and for our customers, it comes delivered via the cloud, and it's just automatic, and it just works every time. And the, all that they really have to do is decide if they wanna turn on the new features that have been enabled. So when we talk about core system modernization, I think it's really important to think of how this enables you to act differently and how it can make your business move much more uh, quickly and with agility.
0: So you also mentioned increased access to data as a benefit of the intelligent workplace let's say i'm a salesperson at a leasing company can you give me an example of how the intelligent workplace will help me do my job effectively
1: yeah um and it's not just access to data but i'm going to keep using this relevant term it's making it relevant for that particular interaction so by now hopefully all the salespeople in the industry are using some kind of crm we've gotten away from spreadsheets and, and post-it sticky notes and things like that. Um, but the, the problem is a lot of the CRMs are really tickler systems that, that remind you, oh, call this person or do a follow-up or send an email. But for a salesperson to really make it relevant, wouldn't it be great to know what the prospect's propensity is to buy at a given time with a given product, with a given financial product, with a certain asset? Um, it'd be great if you knew all that and, and that data probably live somewhere in other systems to help you figure that out. Well, we want to bring that data forward so that the salesperson is enabled to really understand what customer is probably going to make a decision and what the buying triggers are. So that's the first part, but think of it as the salesperson goes through the rest of the process. Now eventually the the salesperson has to swivel their chair. They've been facing the customer, but eventually they swivel their chair and they have to face underwriting. And um, we hear the stories of salespeople being very frustrated because, well, I threw it over the wall and underwriting threw it back at me. And that process can go back and forth for a while, but wouldn't it be great if you had an intelligence system that would know automatically what data has to be present before it goes to underwriting? Because underwriting is in fact your most expensive resource in this business process chain. And, and I've heard read on some of your other podcasts, how the volumes have gone up so much. And, and yet, you know, we we're trying to do more and more of this, this manual underwriting, but, and salespeople just throw it over the wall. So uh, an intelligent system should be able to say, I know for this customer in this region with this financial product and this financial price quote, Um, with this asset, exactly what I'm going to need. I need additional guarantor forms. I need some additional balance sheet and income statement information to do financial spreading. And the intelligence system, before you ever give it to underwriting, is telling sales and even telling the customer via their own portal, hey, I need this information. And so now the salesperson is enabled with the right information and the right prospects, but they're also enabled to make the deal flow a lot faster because they know what information is going to be required for that particular deal. So when you make data relevant to the interaction, you actually make the relationship relevant between the sales and the prospect. And I think that's how the intelligent workplace can help sales.
0: So on the topic of underwriting, um, let's say that the salesperson collects all of this data, all of the information and, Mm -hmm. and hands it off to underwriting just that manual underwriting process can take a lot of time, usually. Can the intelligent yeah. workplace system streamline streamline that decisioning process at all?
1: Yeah, yeah, we really think that it can, and it, and it should. Um, the, the fifth pillar, by the way, remember, the fifth pillar of the intelligent workplace is risk management. So mm-hmm. we take that example like of that salesperson that just turned toward underwriting, and now the deal is there with underwriting and and companies have a lot of choices to make at this point. How much risk are they willing to take? How profitable is the deal? How important is the relationship historically with that particular buyer? And one of the big ones that we hear more and more today, again, I heard these on on your podcasts, um, we're seeing volumes go up two, three, four, five times in terms of credit applications. And yet we're hearing that funders are turning the dial back toward manual to deal with the effects of COVID. Well, that's just a a paradox, to to increase the volume and go more manual. And it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't scale very well, does it? And so I think it's because up until this point, companies have looked at this as a binary choice. It's either manual or it's automated. And in reality, with an intelligent workplace solution, you should be able to turn that dial from zero to 100 and then back somewhere in the middle whenever you want. And we're working with our customers to, figure out what that more nuanced control can look like. So to us intelligent workplace means getting the right data you've heard me say that and making it relevant. But it means, you know, for for what we do, we're asynchronously going off and gathering credit information Uh, We're pulling back other financial information from the ERP and other systems and bringing that forward for credit to look at. We're assembling payment histories and everything else so that credit can look at that. KYCs and AMLs are happening automatically at the same time. So that's all been going on. And then it's not just that information, but of course, credit is going to ultimately make a decision based on yields, based on residual value hurdles, based on depreciation curves. So what if all of that, was brought together seamlessly, easily and presented to you in a in a pleasing visual manner. And so now is that is that manual anymore or how much of that is automated, right? And so we're, we, we all wanna blur that line a little bit of what's manual and automated because so much of the work is happening. Again, the intelligent workplace should be giving you the ability to turn that dial and know what you want to have to do your underwriting. And here's the best outcome is when you're, entire underwriting department is using the skills of your best underwriter for every single deal, that's the outcome that you should have. And whether it's automated or manual is almost irrelevant when you have all the information present to make that choice. And By the way, we can turn the dial to full automation if anyone ever wants, but most people turn it back a little bit so they can look at it.
0: So you mentioned that cloud architecture is a must when it comes to intelligent workplace design. There are a variety of cloud options out there. There's so many. Why did LeastPath choose to partner with Microsoft versus AWS or Google Cloud?
1: <laughs> oh boy, how much time do we have here? Because <laughs> this is this is one of those that uh, really gets me going. And I, I really have to say at, at LeastPath, We always try to define first what is cloud, because a lot of people think that cloud means that you have a system that's no longer in your data center, it's just hosted by somebody else. And that's actually not cloud. That's just old school ASP, application service provider or application hosting. And when we think of cloud, we think of the true cloud environment, which is the elasticity and the reliability of the cloud, the redundancy and the security of the cloud, and the ease of use of cloud applications. So, all of that being said, of what's like, what is the true cloud? Um, yeah, Google, AWS, Microsoft, and a lot of others. They they all have really great clouds, but it's only great if you've built a system for the cloud, and that's what we did. So. Um, when we see a lot of systems out there that are, that have moved toward, they say that it's cloud, and I'm not saying anything bad of any other system, but just be aware of what uh, what it means to be in the cloud versus what it means to be just hosted somewhere on the cloud. When we started LeasePath, it was an intentional decision. We defined that we were going to be a cloud first solution. And um, I would encourage, Listeners, go look up what does cloud first means. You can Bing it or Google it. You get a lot of definitions on cloud first, but there's a lot that comes up that'll tell you that being cloud first is a way of thinking and building your application so that it works specifically on a cloud platform. And when you do that research, you'll also see that the differences in architecture, agility, total cost of ownership, it simply can't be matched by old systems that are just hosted somewhere in a cloud, but aren't cloud-first. So having said all of that, so we're taking advantage of the cloud infrastructure, we're a cloud-first solution, and then finally Microsoft. So now I'm gonna answer your question, Rita, of, of, of why Microsoft? Because Microsoft has the Microsoft Dynamics and the Power Platform, which is actually another business application layer on top of their Microsoft Azure cloud. So you don't just get the great Azure cloud or the cloud infrastructure, but you get this business application layer. And we're able to develop solutions about five times faster because of this type of infrastructure and this business application layer. And it's really fantastic. So instead of managing servers and hardware and memory and disks and all this kind of stuff, that's all gone. We don't even think about it. All we're doing is developing great content in the solution and Microsoft enables us to do that. And oh, by the way, because it's all wrapped up in this Microsoft business application layer, we have access to their AI frameworks, business intelligence frameworks, virtual chatbot frameworks, um, robotic process automation frameworks, blockchain. It's all actually built into the platform And all we're doing is leveraging and turning these things on. So the Microsoft cloud has been really, really fantastic and a game changer for us. Uh, They're gaining a lot of momentum, momentum in the industry. And I think that, you know, we're in the right place at the right time with it.
0: So I'm sure we have listeners out there who are interested in the concept of an intelligent workplace, but they might be so far away from it today that it seems almost impossible to achieve. What would you say to them?
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a great follow-up question because I, I kind of went down this rabbit hole of the, the complexities of what is cloud and infrastructure. And, and, and by now it probably seems very daunting to everyone who might be listening to this. And, and how do you get on this fantastic business cloud and get the intelligent workplace if you have regular old software? Um, I'm here to tell you that it's really not that hard, and it's not the case that you can't ever make the leap to get there. Uh, in fact, it's it's easier today than it ever has been to modernize your core system, to embrace the digital technologies, to move into the digital finance economy. Um, the idea of having core system modernization, uh, a modern data estate, uh, don't don't be you know put off by the, the the words, these are the terminologies, but modern data state just means you have easy access to your data. Um, all this is, is just something that you're going to get when you start to upgrade your solutions to migrate to, to brand new technology. So it's not that hard. And as a matter of fact, I mean, for us, for example, we can do system implementations incredibly fast. Uh, it's because again we're we're not doing all the hard work of the infrastructure and software and database management we're just focused on the business functionality and enabling our customers so what would i say to folks is it's not that hard and and again we're here talking about the intelligent workplace because we want to share that concept it's not just about lease path but we're sharing that concept because we think everyone needs to move in this direction so for anyone that wants to just talk about it and and wax philosophical about what that means. I encourage, I'd be happy to talk to anybody about this even further, not a sales pitch at all, but just talking about how we get there, how we move to this intelligent workplace and get some of the core system modernization because there's some really, really good stuff out there. So I hope that we all can embrace it. And I hope that we all move successfully into this new digital finance economy.
0: So Jeff, we are nearing the end of our time together. Any final thoughts?
1: um this is a really exciting time I think that again so many of your other podcast series have have highlighted that uh, in unprecedented times we do unprecedented things and this is really the time to look at how do we build the intelligent workplace of tomorrow and how do we embrace that for our business for our stakeholders and for our customers so I just hope that you know we're learning a lot during this time and the fact that you know we see so much change happening is very exciting so I I'm excited. I hope everyone else is excited about it, too. It's
0: definitely exciting. Well, thank you so much for being with us today on the podcast. And thanks to everybody listening out there. Um, Enjoy the rest of your day.
1: Thanks, Rita.